Right, so the, uh, the message this morning has to do with the plans that we make, and I don't know about you, but I'm a planner. I am type A to a T, which sounds weird after you say you're type A, but I'm type A. I plan out everything. This is why I have all of my sermons planned out one year in advance. I know what I'm going to be preaching on any given Sunday. I'm a planner, and uh, I do not like it when plans do not go my way or when plans have to change. My wife is giving me a look right now. I can't even look over there. She's like, amen, brother, you know, and so... (laughs) Yeah, that's just who I am. I don't like when plans don't work out a certain way. Uh, but let me tell you what my plan was for my life. I was going to be the next Sherlock Holmes, like the real life version of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, that's, that's what I, my plan for my life was. And so I went to school at North Greenville University. I was um, majoring in psychology. And I figured I would graduate with a degree in psychology and criminology. And then the plan was I was going to open up a real-life consulting agency, and I would just live my days like Sherlock, just solving cases, and life was going to be great. Some insight into my life. At no point during any of that time did I ever once, for any one second, plan on becoming the senior pastor of a Southern Baptist church in the middle of a cow pasture in the the town I grew up in. Like, (laughs) never even crossed my mind. That was not part of my plans, but God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? And so God said, I know what you think your plans for your life are, but but here's what you're actually going to do. And he had all these different purposes for my life. And his purpose was for me to be a pastor. And if you've lived for any length of time, you know that God has a way of laughing at our plans, right? Like, I mean, you can just admit that this morning. He has a way of laughing at our plans when we think that they're all set in stone and they're going to come to pass. And God says, listen, my way is going to be done whether you like it or not. So you better just get on board with it. While you can. I mean, you see this all throughout the Bible, too, right? Like, do you remember the story of Jonah? One of the most well-known stories in the whole Bible. Uh, God said, all right, Jonah, here's what you're going to do. You're going to go and preach to Nineveh. And Jonah said, actually, those are your plans, not mine. So here's what I'm really going to do. I'm going to get on board this ship headed to Tarshish, and that's going to be the farthest I could possibly get away from Nineveh. And so that's what Jonah does. And listen, he gets on that ship. He's headed to Tarshish, and he thinks everything is going according to his plan. Life is great. He's even just lounging in the middle of the boat, just sleeping, right? And then God says, I don't know if you heard me, but you're going to Nineveh. And so he sends this great big storm, and he has the sailors on board the ship throw Jonah overboard into the waters. And then God didn't just want to leave him alone, so he sent the world's first Uber, which was just a giant fish, and picked Jonah up and took him to Nineveh and then threw him up on the shores of Nineveh. And God said, okay, do you get it now? Like, it doesn't matter what your plans are. I said you're going to Nineveh because I need you to preach to the Ninevites the message of what I have for them so that they can repent and I can have mercy upon them. So Jonah, you have your plans, but my purposes are going to be what come to pass. And we need to understand that this morning, right? Listen, here's what I know about stories like this. When you listen to my story, when you listen to Jonah's story, it's easy to appreciate these from afar, right? Like, don't we really like stories like this where you, you hear what God's doing and you see it and you can so clearly see the hand of God at work? You're like, oh, this is amazing. Look, God's going to get his way. This is awesome. Let me tell you what's not fun when it's your story, right? <laughs> when you're the one in the midst of it, when you're the one who has laid out all your plans and you've said, hey, God, look, this is what I want to do in my life. 
These are the places I want to go. This is the type of person that I want to marry. This is the type of house and neighborhood I want to live in. I want to drive this kind of car. I want to retire by this age. I want this amount of money in my bank account. I'd like to vacation in these places. God, these are my plans. It's not fun for God to then intervene and go, yeah, that's not what's going to happen. It's not fun when God gets involved and he starts messing up all of your plans in order to bring about God's purposes. And and if you've been in that place where God has done that in your life, you know how frustrating that can be, right? You know that it can leave you feeling lost and, and kind of hopeless, and it'll leave you wondering, well, God, what did I do to deserve this? Why is this happening? This is not what I wanted my life to look like. These are not the things I anticipated happening in my life. And here's the good news for us, is that God actually speaks into that situation here in the book of Proverbs. That's what we're learning about this morning. He, he says we may have our plans, but, but he has his purposes. And what I want you to understand more than anything this morning is that God's purposes are greater than all our plans. That's what I want you to get this morning. That's what I want you to understand. I know that you have your plans. I know that if you're like me, you've got a large portion of your life planned out. But what I want you to understand is that God's purposes are greater than all our plans. And maybe you're not on board with that yet. Maybe you're thinking, listen, I've got some pretty good plans for my life. It'd be hard to top these. And so you're thinking, well, why should I then? If I like my plans, if I think they're great, if I think they're going to bring me uh, pleasure and happiness, then why should we actually submit ourselves to God's purposes? And, and that's what I want to talk about this morning. That's what I want us to consider together. Why should we humbly submit ourselves to God's purposes? Why should we do that? And, and you begin to get an answer as early as verse 1, because I want you to notice what it says there in Proverbs 16.1. It says that the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Now, I want you to notice what what these verses are telling us here. This one in particular is saying that all of the plans that we make from our lives, where do they ultimately come from, church? From our heart, right? So, So it matters the state of your heart. It matters the condition of your heart. And I know that a lot of times when we're making these plans, if they come from our heart, you have to understand that whatever's in your heart is going to color your plans, right? So if you're dead in your sins and your heart is still contaminated with sin, what does that mean about all your plans? It means every single one of your plans, they are going to have the stain of sin on them. That's what leads people to pursue wickedness and evil and things like that. But here's what I want you to understand. It is possible to be a true Christian, a born-again believer, and make plans that aren't necessarily sinful, but also aren't what God has for you. It's possible to be pursuing something that's not actually wrong. It's not actually bad. It's not sinful. It's not wicked. It's not evil. It's just short of what God actually has for you. Uh, I think about the great missionary Adoniram Judson. He never wanted to be a missionary, but y'all know me. He is my favorite missionary throughout all church history. Uh, He was brilliant, and when he was in school, he was on a path to become a lawyer. Many people thought he was going to be one of the next presidents of the United States. I mean, he was absolutely brilliant, and then after school, he pursued a career as a teacher, 
Now, none of this is bad, right? You might say something about lawyers, but it's not bad, right? Like lawyer, president, again, we're getting in some muddy waters here, but like a teacher, we can all agree, not bad, okay? So like these aren't sinful things. These aren't bad things. They're not wrong. They just weren't what God had for Adoniram Judson. God said, I have chosen you to be the one to take the gospel to Burma, to translate the entire Bible into Burmese for the first time, to start a revolution there and and lead a movement there that's going to have lasting impact for years and years to come. So he said, listen, Judson, I see your plans, nothing wrong with them, they're just not what I have for you. And I think it's important for us to understand that this morning because you might be sitting there going, hey, listen, pastor, I really want my plans to come to pass because And God should let them come to pass because, listen, they're not sinful. I'm not pursuing sin. I'm not pursuing wickedness. I've got honest dreams for my life. I've got honest desires. I just, you know, have plans about who I want to marry and what I want to do and the kind of career I want to have and how much money I want to make. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And I'll grant it to you. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But, But please understand that just because you aren't planning something sinful doesn't mean God's actually going to let you pursue it. Just because you're planning something that's not actually wicked or evil doesn't mean that God's going to let it come to pass. God is going to make sure that his purposes come to pass. So I need you to understand, at any point in your life, God can override your plans. Just like that. Do do we understand that? Do we get it? I'm not asking if you like it. I'm asking if you understand it. At any point in your life, Could be today, could be tomorrow. God can totally override your plans, and he can do whatever he wants. I don't know if we remember this verse, but Psalm 115.3, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Now, that's pretty cool in English, right? You read that, and you're like, oh, God does whatever he wants. It's even better in Hebrew. In Hebrew, the way it's written is it says, our God is in the heavens. All that pleases him, he does. Well, that's something else entirely, isn't it? It means that God is only going to do the things that please him. He's only going to do the things that make him happy and accomplish his purposes. He can do whatever he wants, whatever he pleases, whatever makes him happy. He's going to do it. So so even if you have your plans, just understand that at any point, God can override your plans to bring about his purposes. I mean, you see that, again, all throughout the Bible, right? We need another example. Do you remember the story of Balaam? Balaam, uh, he's approached by the king of Moab, and the king of Moab says, hey, if you want to make some fast money, here's what I need you to do. Go curse the Israelites. And he was like, got it. That sounds awesome. I want some fast cash. And so in Balaam, in his heart, he had all these plans to go and curse the Israelites and make a lot of money really quickly. That's what he wants to do. But then every single time he opened his mouth, what happened? Only blessings came out, right? So it's a perfect demonstration of this verse of Proverbs 16, 1. Man had his plans that came from his heart, but the answer of the tongue is literally from the Lord. Balaam says, I'm going to curse him, and God says, actually, you're going to bless him. His purposes come to pass. You see it also in uh, the story of King Nebuchadnezzar. I love this one. Uh, Gospel groups, we read this this past week when we read Daniel chapter 4. It's one of the funniest stories in the whole Bible. Right, Because in Daniel chapter 4, you've got King Nebuchadnezzar, and he's walking on the rooftops in Babylon, and he looks around and he goes, look at what I've built. I am so great. How did this place get so lucky to have me? I'm so awesome. 
Look at what I've done by my own power and my own might. And Nebuchadnezzar had all these plans. He said, I'm going to expand this kingdom. We're going to take over more territories. I've got it in my, ha- my heart to conquer, and we're going to do it. And God said, have you forgotten about me? Have you forgotten that everything that you've done is because I have brought it to pass? Have you forgotten that I'm the one who gave you the people of Judah? Like, are you forgetting that? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to remind you. So you, oh great king, you're going to go out into the wilderness. And you're going to live like an animal for seven periods of time. And you think you're, you can't even walk the streets now because everybody recognizes you? You're a celebrity? He says, well, don't worry. That's not going to be a problem for you anymore. Your hair's going to grow out real long. Your fingernails are going to grow out like the, the talons of a bird. And you, oh great powerful king, you are going to eat the grass of the field like a beast. Until you learn a lesson. And that's the lesson he was supposed to learn. He would continue to be this way until he learned that all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And none can stay his hand. In Hebrew, that literally says none Or say to him, what have you done? Do you see what this verse is telling us? It says that God is in heaven and he's going to do whatever he wants in heaven. And here's what for the earth where we live. God is going to do whatever he wants on earth. And there's not a single person who can stop him. There's not a single person who can stay his hand. There's not a single person who can thwart his will or disrupt his purposes. God's will will be done. Plain and simple. Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. So listen to me. By all means, make your plans. That's okay. Plan, dream, hope, desire, ask, pray. But understand that at any point in your life, God can override your plans to bring about his purposes. And they are greater than whatever plans you had in the first place. You see, what I want you to understand this morning is that since God's purposes will come to pass, we must be willing to bend or be ready to be broken. Like Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) Since God's purposes will come to pass, we must be willing to bend or be ready to be broken. Or, Or as one pastor used to say, and I love this, he used to say, Blessed are the flexible, for they will not be broken. You see, you don't want to be rigid in your plans with God because it's the rigid and the proud who are brought low and broken. And unfortunately, I was one of those people. I was one of those people who was so rigid in my plans and God was trying to get my attention and I was ignoring him and he had to absolutely break me in order to get my attention. Uh, I don't know why my wife is looking at me like I'm still that way, but... But here's what happened, right? So when I was an unbeliever, I went to school at North Greenville. Uh, I, I was an unbeliever, and I started being exposed to the gospel for the very first time and actually hearing it and understanding it. And I knew, even though I was not a Christian, I knew without a shadow of a doubt that God was trying to get my attention, and it scared me. I mean, it blew my mind. I I remember talking to friends who were not believers, and I said, listen, I don't know what's going on because I don't really believe in God, but now I'm starting to think he's real, and for whatever reason, he's trying to get my attention. He is trying to to get me. 
And that scared me. So I ran from that and I tried to get as far away from God as I could. But he kept coming after me and pursuing me and calling me. And I wanted nothing to do with him because I was saying, listen, I don't want to become a Christian. I don't want my entire life to change. I don't want my plans to derail. I like my plans. They're good plans. So I had to be broken. And that's what God did. And he broke me in pretty much every way imaginable. You might, think, you might be thinking I'm exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. Uh, at the time, when I was an unbeliever at this period in life, I was in a two-year relationship with an atheist who then cheated on me and broke up with me. And so I was broken emotionally. And I blamed God for that and didn't see it as a blessing, but I blamed God for it. And so I was broken spiritually because I wanted nothing to do with him. And then my best friend accidentally, temporarily paralyzed me from the neck down on the right side. So I was broken physically as well. And so there I was, 18 years old, in a neck brace, eventually would have a walker for a little bit of time, so I do have experience with a walker. Uh, But there I was, in a neck brace, 18 years old, lying in bed, couldn't do a thing. Broken emotionally and spiritually and physically. All my plans were over at that point. I knew that nothing I had had planned was going to come to pass, and yet that is the time in which God started to reveal his purposes to me. That's the time when God actually revealed himself to me. That's the time when God actually saved me from my sins, and my life has never been the same since then. I praise God for that time of brokenness in my life because it was a beautiful time in which he actually saved me from my sins and revealed to me what he wanted me to do. And I look back on that time now, and I realize that was God's way of saying, hey, you should have stopped running when you had the chance, because now you can't run. You can't do anything. And that's what I want you to hear from me this morning. I want you to understand that what I'm trying to tell you is that God is going to have his way, church. And so you need to be willing to bend, or like me, be ready to be broken. What I want you to understand is you don't need to be too rigid in your plans and in your desires for life. Because you can take it from me and pretty much everyone in here, God has a way of disrupting your plans and then putting you on a path that you never once in your entire life thought you'd be down, right? (laughs) Anybody else, can you relate to that at all where you're like, I never thought I'd be in this place in life that I am now, but this is where God put me. That's what God does. And so here's what I want you to understand this morning. When you're making your plans, that's fine. But do not write your plans in pen, okay? (laughs) Write them in pencil on a piece of paper with an asterisk next to them. (laughs) Because God can override your plans. I mean, the same thing applies for this church, right? Like, don't, don't be too rigid in your plans and in your desires for this church. Every person I know, every Christian I know has their own desires for what they want their church to look like, what they want their church to do and and be. And and listen to me, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely okay to have a vision. It's okay to have desires. It's okay to have preferences. The problem is when we get rigid in our preferences and all God's people said, amen. That's what leads to conflict. That's what leads to division and fights and quarrels. Just go read James chapter 4 again. When you're rigid in your preferences and your desires, then of course there's going to be conflict and everything. So so here's a simple way to avoid that, right? And, And I'm not the wisest person in the world, but this is just what we try to do here. We just let Jesus run things. That's it. Just plain and simple. 
We just let Jesus run things. Listen to me say this. I am not the head of this church. Jordan is not the head of this church. Praise God, our deacons are not the head of this church. And all the deacons said, amen. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the church, and we believe that. We follow that. And so if Jesus says it in his word, we believe it, and we're going to obey it. If it's not directly addressed in Scripture, then here's what we're going to do. We're going to commit it to prayer, and we're going to spend time seeking the Lord's will and the Spirit's guidance. You see, this is one of the reasons why it's so bad to be rigid in your plans for a church, because if you're rigid, then you can't let the Spirit lead you. But if you're flexible, then you're actually open to where the Spirit would have you go, and that's what you want to do. You want to be part of a church where the Spirit of God is leading the church towards the will that God has for that particular church. So don't be rigid. Be flexible. Be willing to bend. There are things you do need to be rigid on. We understand that, right? Like be rigid on Jesus. Be rigid on the Word of God. Be rigid on doctrine. But never be so rigid in your own plans that God cannot redirect you as He desires. Be willing to bend or be ready to be broken. There's something else I want you to see in this passage this morning. Another reason that we should humbly submit ourselves to God's purposes. Look at verse 2. It's very interesting. Verse 2. Tell me this doesn't sound exactly like the world we live in today. All of the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirit. See, that's our big problem, isn't it? This is the reason we think our plans are best. This is the reason that we are absolutely intent on pursuing our plans at all costs. It's because we think our plans are always right. We think we're always right about everything. My opinion, my view, my plans, my desires, they are the right ones. The ways of man are pure in his own eyes. This is what leads people to go against the Bible, by the way, right? I mean, for instance, notice this, that people can see what the Bible says on things like gender and sexuality and abortion and so many other issues we face in the culture, but here's what they do. They reject what the Bible says, they take a different view, and then they justify their own view. Even though they're going against the clear teaching of Scripture, they justify what they believe so that they will be right in their own eyes all the time and never experience any conviction. I mean, this was demonstrated a few years ago. Uh, There was an organization called BuzzFeed, and BuzzFeed produced this video called, I'm a Christian, but... And the whole video consisted of people who were saying things like, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Uh, I'm a Christian, but I'm a homosexual. I'm a Christian... But I don't think that Jesus is the only way of salvation. I'm a Christian, but I uh, support other religions. I'm a Christian, but I support abortion. Basically, on and on, people went saying, I'm a Christian, but then this thing that goes against Scripture. And not a single person in the entire video thought that they were wrong. They all were right in their own eyes. They were trying to define for themselves what a Christian is. But can I tell you something this morning, church? We do not define what a Christian is. God does in his word. And listen to me right now. If your definition of a Christian differs from God's definition of a Christian, you're not 
a Christian. It's just plain and simple. We don't get to define for ourselves what a Christian is. God does. But the sad reality is we will constantly say things that go against God's word, believe things that go against God's word, do things that go against God's word, and we will justify it and say, I'm still right. It's not actually sin. We're very good at justifying our sin and our disobedience. Can we admit that? We're very good at it. We can always reason in such a way that we will come out scotch clean, you know, just crystal clear, clean, no sin on us at all. And the sad part about this is when we do this, do you understand that what we're actually doing in those moments is is we're telling God that we know better than he does. We're saying to God, hey, listen, I know what you've said. I know what you've commanded us to do. I know what you want us to do, but I think my way's better. I know that you say this is the right way, but you're wrong. That's not the right way. My way is the right way. Do you know how foolish that is? To to have the dust of the earth, that's us. Tell the sovereign God of all things who has eternally existed, who is infinitely wise, that we, the dust of the earth, know better than he does. When we say to him, You don't know the way, but I do. Oh, it's foolish. It reminded me of uh, this thing that kept happening. Every time we would take our boys to Nana's house. Nana is my mom, by the way. You can call her Nana. That's fine. Uh, But we'd we'd take the boys to Nana's house. We'd get in the car. And every time we'd start on the way to Nana's, Judah got in this really bad habit where he'd go, Hey, are we going to Nana's? I'd be like, Yeah, we're going to Nana's. And he goes, "Um, This is not the way to Nana's. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, it definitely is the way to Nana's. I, of course it is. And he goes, uh, no, I know the way to Nana's, and this is not the way to Nana's. And in those moments, I go, okay, well, listen, two, two, thing, two things really quickly. I can't get my thumb down. Two things really quickly. One, I used to live with Nana. I, I lived in that house for many, many years And I've lived in easily my entire life. So I think I know the way to Nana's house. And then number two, more importantly, you're facing backwards. (laughs) How on earth could you possibly know that we're not going the right way? Can I tell you something? As funny as that is, that's exactly how foolish we look when we try to tell God, my way is better than your way. I know the way and you do not know the way. My way is right and your way is is wrong. Listen, that might work with other people. Because here's what I know about people when they're justifying sin. You can convince yourself that you're not disobedient, right? You can convince yourself that you're not sinning. You can convince others that you're not sinning. You cannot convince the Lord. Because this verse here says that the Lord weighs the Spirit. So, So God actually knows the real reason that you do the things that you do. You're asking me this morning, why should we humbly submit ourselves to God's purposes? Well, here's why. It's because God sees through all of our excuses. God sees through our excuses. He sees right through all of the excuses that we make for our sin and our disobedience, and he sees straight through to the true intentions behind everything that we do. So think about something like coming here. God knows whether you're here this morning out of a true 
heartfelt desire to worship the Lord and gather with his people in obedience to his word? And God also knows if you're just here this morning to check off a religious box on a Sunday morning. Or because someone dragged you to church today and you felt obligated to come. God knows the real reason that you're here this morning. And if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, there are plenty of people who will spend Sunday in the pews who will also spend eternity in hell. That's because coming to this place and just sitting here cannot save you. Do we understand that, church? The fact that you're here this morning, the fact that you have uh, been singing songs with us, the fact that you're listening now, the fact that you closed your eyes during prayer, or that you're going to be back next Sunday morning, that is no assurance of salvation. Sitting in a church building cannot save you. Jesus is the only one who can save you. You must repent of your sins and trust in him. But God knows why you're actually here this morning. God knows if you're failing to gather with the church because you legitimately cannot, or if it's because you actually prioritize pretty much everything else in your life above God. God knows whether you're failing to read his word and pray because you do not have time, or if it's because you would just rather do other things. Can I just tell you something? On Judgment Day, when we stand before God and he pulls up this record of all the time that we spent on our phones and on social media and in front of a TV screen, let me tell you something, folks. Time's not going to be a legitimate excuse. You better start working on a new one right now because time, that's not going to be an excuse that you can actually use on that day. God knows this morning whether you want to go to heaven because you truly love Jesus and you have repented of your sins and you've trusted in him and you cling to him with everything that you have and you say, I don't ma- it doesn't matter to me where I'm at as long as I am with my Savior. Or if you just want to go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell. God knows the difference. I mean, we can go on and on, church, but you understand. The point is this. God knows everything. He sees through all of our excuses All the things that we say to others to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. He sees through all of it. He weighs your spirit and he knows why you do the things you do. So listen to me. You can fool me. Many people have. You can fool your parents. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your friends, your family members. You cannot fool God. Because God sees your heart. And he knows your spirit. And this is our human tendency, right? We constantly pursue our own ways, our own paths, our own desires, because they're right in our own eyes. And this is the exact tendency that prompted the Father to send his Son to earth in the first place. It's because that God saw that our way was not working. All of our ways were leading us down the path of wickedness straight to hell. And so out of his great love for us, the father decided to send his own son to put a stop to our plans and bring about God's purposes. He did it for us. You see, when you look to the cross of Christ, that is a beautiful reminder, not just of the wrath that we deserve for our sins, but of the wrath we will incur for our sins if we continue to pursue our own ways and refuse to submit to God and his purposes. It's not just a picture of the wrath we deserve. It is a picture of the wrath that is coming our way if we continue to reject God. And here's what I want you to know this morning. 
there's a better way. There's a better way. Can we just admit that by now? Like, our ways are no good. There is a better way. And we say it all the time here. I'm going to continue to say it until you're sick of it. But God wants more for you. He does. God wants more for you than a life spent constantly making plans that fail because you refuse to submit yourself to God and his purposes. Can I tell you something else? God wants more for you than a life of empty religious routine where you just show up and attend or participate because it's what you do and it's a religious box to check. God wants more for you than that. God wants more for you than a life spent deceiving yourself and others. God wants more for you. He wants his purposes for you. And I don't care how good your plans are. His purposes are greater than all of our plans. So here's what I want you to do this morning. Give up your rigidity. Stop making excuses and justifying your sin and your disobedience. Hand over your life. Hand over everything in your life to the Lord. I mean, give it to Christ and put it in His hands this morning. Let Him lead you and guide all of your decisions and finally embrace the fullness of what it means to be a follower of Christ. God wants more for you. And so do we. Amen?